Hello and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. It's new episode Tuesday, which is a little bit of a different flavor than new episode Monday, but it's for good reason. This week uh, is the return of Lucas to the show, which he's been off for the last couple, so we're happy to have him back. And we're going to do Gladiator today, the 2000 winner for Best Picture. Uh, Pretty much the peak of the mountain for the sword and sandals uh, renaissance of the mid-90s. So we're definitely looking forward to diving into that one. Before we kick things off, be sure to go vote on our poll question, which is uh, we're doing a turkey day turkey extravaganza, which we're doing a good, bad movie. We got some pretty awesome choices for you guys to choose from. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Cast your vote now. Uh, We should be, I think we're going to run that for a week. So hopefully uh, we get you guys an answer on what we're doing Eh, probably in the next couple weeks or so. That should be fun. We may do a watch along, may not. But uh, please go over to any of those social media sites, cast your vote right now. So without further ado, we present to you Gladiator. The general. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Who became a slave. You should not have defied the emperor. The slave. Win the crowd. You'll win your freedom. Who became a gladiator. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. The gladiator. I have my signal. Unleash hell. Who defied an empire. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the emperor of Rome. From director Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe, Gladiator Rated R. All right, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm Russ, and joining me after a two-week sabbatical, Lucas is back on the show. Lucas, what's going on, man? I have returned. I'm sorry. I uh, I was refereeing uh, a soccer tournament, making some extra cash for Christmas, and then uh, I unfortunately text you the day of a recording, and... Uh, my mind wasn't really working too well because I had ran 24 miles that weekend and I'm not exactly a man who you would call in shape. So I just wasn't able to function. Actually, uh, I drove home and fell right to sleep all night. So I'm glad you didn't fall asleep while driving. Yes, me too. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't be on the, you wouldn't be on here today. <laughs> uh, sleeping while driving is frowned upon, I guess. That's what I hear. I mean, I don't know. People well, in Teslas do that shit. Oh, yeah, you don't have a self-driving car. It's true. Well, we are glad that you're back. You have been missed. And um, this was actually the movie we're doing tonight was the movie that we were originally going to do as our anniversary episode. Am I wrong? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think. And then uh, we discussed Shawshank, which I think we love Gladiator, but I think Shawshank's a little bit better for an anniversary show. Right. Yeah, um, we are doing Gladiator today, which is an awesome, awesome movie. Um, it is very good. I, when we were thinking about this, like, first off, we haven't done a Ridley Scott movie. Dude's fucking awesome director. I think so. And we haven't done a so. Russell Crowe movie, who was the fucking bee's knees for about five or six years. Yeah, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, um... When I was uh, doing a little research on this, I guess this movie and Braveheart are considered like the top of the mountain for the sword and sandals, like the big historical epics, Mm -hmm. uh, renaissance that happened in the mid-90s. And it made me think of a really cool question. Um, Since these are the the OGs, 
the top of the mountain. Which one do you think is the better of the two? Yeah, we were we were discussing this a little bit off air. Um, it's a hard to pick um, because I think both are really great movies. the The real big difference for me is Gladiator isn't doesn't have like that cheesy love story in it. Mm-hmm. It has a love story, but it's more like a fueled by revenge type love story rather than uh, some poor Scotsman banging the French princess. So I, you, you I stole know. that right out of a history book. <laughs> Didn't you like that <laughs> verbatim you're reading out of a history book that that's what William Wallace did. <laughs> <laughs> Banged a French prince. Yeah, no, that actually never happened. He never met her in real life. Um, yeah, both of these are very historically inaccurate. So I recommend if you're curious about uh, ancient Rome, the Scottish Revolution, do not watch these for reference. They're strictly right. for entertainment purposes. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm going to go with Gladiator, but it's neither one of them is bad. I mean, you can't go wrong watching either one of them. Yeah, well, you know, like I watched Braveheart probably about a year ago. It's the first time I had sat and watched it in a while. It's mm-hmm. still good, but I don't like it as much as I did when I first seen it. Really? And yeah, looking back at the, like, especially like the best picture uh, nominees from 95, you know, I have that thing where I, you, I feel that you, they should be able to retroactively take those back. Mm-hmm. And thinking of the movies that were released in 95 that didn't even get nominated, like Heat with De Niro and Pacino didn't get a uh, best picture nomination i feel heat is much better than braveheart casino came out in 95 i think that's a much better movie than braveheart apollo 13 which was nominated for best picture i think is better than braveheart i agree with that one so you know i think braveheart's good but like you said like the love story kind of slows it down for me a little bit Mm -hmm. whereas you were saying before we went on air that I love a good revenge movie, and yeah, I mean, I love seeing people just like they get fucking wronged, and they're just taking it out on everybody. Yeah, like John Wick, uh, Bat. You know, we said Batman, the ultimate revenge. Mm-hmm. Bay Pig story. in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story two and three. Awesome, well, re- you know awesome revenge movies. Well, yeah, well, Lotso. He's pretty pissed off. That he just got tossed to a, a daycare. That's true. So he's kind of like Tony Soprano. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Gladiator's better, though. I think with it being a little shorter, too, I I just don't... I can't sit through three-hour movies the way I used to. Man, it's... Braveheart's, like, Braveheart's long. Yeah, I, I texted you the other day. I was like, man, Gladiator's a really fucking long movie. If Braveheart's longer... Good Lord, my attention span is not as long as it used to be, apparently. Well, uh, Braveheart, uh, I, like I was saying, like just, yeah, the love story kind of takes me out of it sometimes. Gladiator, when I watched it the other night, like I was locked in. Like I sat in my chair two and a half hours. I just watched the whole fucking thing. There's a couple scenes I could probably clip out of it, and I think we'll get to that later on. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Braveheart is good, but it's a little long. But, yeah, Gladi- Gladiator, though, man, you're just like... You're just locked in. You're fucking ready to rock and roll for two and a half hours. Or if you're watching right. on TNT, it's three. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> Another interesting question that I did have, and I think uh, 
I mentioned this to you before we started recording. Would you consider Braveheart? I don't know why I'm on the Braveheart thing. Would you consider Gladiator a sports movie? Yeah, we were talking about this. Uh, it was a sport back then, the Coliseum. They considered that a sport, and you know, in Rome. Uh, it's it's hard to say it's not if that's a sport, you know. I think it is. You're it's competition. Yeah, there is a winner and a loser. Granted, the loser. <laughs> I mean, they lose. It's not they like really they lose, lose to get the. They don't get to play another game. It's uh, a competition where there's a winner, there's a loser. It's uh, it takes place in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, crowd cheers for who they like. I think it's totally a sports they, movie. They were typically athletes. The well, gladiators were. Yeah, athletes, former soldiers. Which I mean, like looking at like the NFL now, like they usually recruit. Uh, athletes are probably some of your more better players uh, in professional wrestling. I know it's not considered a sport like football, but they recruit a bunch of players. So, yeah, you're always on the lookout for an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's totally a sports movie. And, like, it kind of, when I watched it the other night, thinking of it as such, kind of, it took on a little bit of a different meaning this time around. That's interesting. I never even thought of it like that. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the first, I don't think they have leagues. But I'm sure they had like a tournament of champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proximo retires as a gladiator. I mean, he basically vanquished all of his competition. He won mm-hmm. the crowd over, and he was able to become a free man. And then he went and was grabbing people by the nuts, demanding repayment for his, uh, <laughs> what did he call them? His queer giraffes. Queer giraffes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally think this is a sports movie now. Not in the same vein as like watching Remember the Titans or Blue Chips or White Men Can't Jump, but I think it's a sports movie. <laughs> White Men Can't Jump. What a what an interesting reference. Well, yeah, I mean, I I know uh, Sydney and Billy Billy Hoyle don't kill anybody on the basketball court. I mean, kill them with them skills. Yeah, I say metaphorically they do. They murder the competition, on, but they don't literally murder the competition. That's true. All right, so let's get into the category, shall we? I know we might be a bit rusty since it's been a few weeks. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, or maybe a little <laughs> bit of pun. All right, so we'll all get the pun. all all the puns. All right, Gladiator was released on May the fifth, two thousand. This stars Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Demon Hansu. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I was going to ask you that before we came on. I don't know. Well, I haven't really fucked up anybody's name recently, so I think I'm due. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Richard Harris and Oliver Reed star in this one. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Rotten Tomatoes score of 77% from critics and 87% from audiences. $460 million on a $103 million budget at the box office. Winner of five Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And a best actor for Russell Crowe. And this is streaming on Paramount Plus. <laughs> the, the site that you just love to hate. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I'm going to give Paramount Plus a round of applause for putting one of their movies on their streaming service. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, soak it in, Paramount Plus. You deserve it. Way to go. All right. 
the William Somerset Research Corner. Uh, Mel Gibson was offered the role of Maximus, but turned it down, feeling he was too old to play him, although he was only 43. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's too old. Yeah, I could see a 43-year-old former general, you know, being put into the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Antonio Banderas were also considered, but I guess Ridley Scott wanted a fresh face actor for the role, so he went with Russell Crowe, which marvelous choice. Oh yeah, I suppose that X Men was ninety eight, right? Is that right? Ninety eight or ninety nine, I think. I think it was ninety nine. So, yeah. so Hugh Jackman probably would have been known a little bit by then. Yeah, well, Russell Crowe was kind of on the the verge of breaking out, anyways. Like, he was in uh, L.A. Confidential, which is an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Quick and the Dead. Uh, he was the villain in a Denzel Washington movie too, Virtuosity. I've never even heard of that one. Oh, it's all right. Russell Crowe's really good at it, and Denzel's Denzel. So, love that man. But the movie itself is kind of hit and miss. Mm. Oliver Reed, who played Proximo, died three weeks before filming was finished. And actually, I didn't write this down in the notes, but I was just curious to how he he died. He had a heart attack, but I guess he died in a bar. He challenged, like I guess he was uh, having a drinking contest with a bunch of British uh, Navy officers. Mm-hmm. And I guess he drank six pints of beer, uh, like a fifth, of, like two-fifths of something, and then he challenged them to arm wrestling contests, which he beat every single one of them. And then he said he was tired, and then I guess apparently how the story goes is he – laid down the floor and then had a heart attack and passed away. What a fucking manimal. Yeah. Well, this movie has two actors that are renowned for their partying days back in the 60s and 70s. Richard Harris was also part of that club, too, where they were known more for their drinking than their uh, acting credentials. And, as a matter of fact, you know who Keith Moon is from The Who? Mm-hmm. The drummer that had a really bad alcohol problem? I guess apparently him... Him and uh, Oliver Reed were buddies. Oh, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess they could have uh, reshot the scenes with a new actor because they had a, like, I think it was like a $5 million insurance policy on him. Mm-hmm. But instead, they decided to just use his body doubles and they scanned his face with CGI and they finished the movie and just rewrote the script to take out Proximo because apparently there was a point in the movie where Proximo was supposed to fight Maximus in the Coliseum. Yeah, I saw that when I was doing research. That's interesting. I didn't shit on your research, did I? Oh, no, no, no. You're good. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that cost an extra $2.5 million to finish that up. Yeah, CGI, I imagine, like now, it's it's still expensive, but it's not as expensive because it's more widely, you know, computer stuff is more widely available. Mm-hmm. I imagine in the early 2000s that was hard to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the fact that you don't notice it is pretty good. Yeah. Because uh, I know uh, in uh, Rogue One, they used Peter Cushing, who had passed away years ago, and brought back the, the Grand Moff Tarkin character. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that's CGI. Yeah. And uh, Carrie Fisher, I believe, was CGI in the Rise of Skywalker, right? I think so. I think so. I think- 
I think she passed away before they finished it. Yeah, she f- she passed away right after, uh, sometime after The Last Jedi had come out. And I don't know if she'd finished all her stuff yet or not. That's where we need Mark Dyer, who was on our Jaws episode, Professional mm-hmm. Dad. He would be able to tell us exactly how much screen time was actually filmed for Carrie Fisher in The Last Skywalker. Yeah, he would know, for sure. Yeah. Um. I thought this was really weird. Did I, uh, I don't know if I sent this over to you or told you about it, but um, Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott commissioned uh, Nick Cave, who is a singer for a band called Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, to write a script for Gladiator 2. No, that's interesting. Well, which, I mean, it's not really a spoiler alert considering this movie's 21 years old now, but uh, Maximus, the character Russell Crowe plays, dies. So it would be a little difficult to bring back Maximus. Unless he faked his death and then was just, you know, living in prosperity in the Spanish countryside. Well, I don't know if faking a death was as easy as it would be today. I'm not saying that faking a death is easy. No one comes to me and asks me for advice on how to fake their death. (laughs) I'm not... Not saying that Unless at all. Are you trying to get out of your life right now or something? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't I don't have any friends that are like, hey man, you think you can help me out here? Like <laughs> I'm I I'm in, to die. I'm in debt up to my ass. I've got I've got loan sharks after me. Can you like drive my car off a cliff? Um, <laughs> anyways, um so Nick Cave writes a script called Gladiator Two Christ Killer. But you can find the script online. I, I actually, I think after I text you, I found this, the actual script online. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that, that's a read. <laughs> it, is, it is fucking wild. Um, I guess the point of it is Maximus is reincarnated by the Roman gods to kill this Christ-like figure that's on Earth. And it turns out that after he kills this, char- this person... It turns out it's Maximus' son, who I think was supposed to be Lucius, Connie Nielsen's son in the original. They allude to, like, Maximus and uh, Connie Nielsen. I forget her character's name off the top of my head. Um, Yeah, I forget, too. Yeah, I know. Shitty show. That's why no one listens to us. But (laughs) I guess apparently they are going to allude that they had some kind of romance and they had a kid. That was Lucius. And then it turns out that uh, they set him up to basically make him spend the rest of his life on Earth paying for the sins of his past. And then the last 20 minutes of the movie is just Maximus fighting in every single major war in the history of mankind. He fights in World War II. He fights in Vietnam. fights in the Gulf. All these like major wars. It's just the last 20 minutes of the movie. This sounds like the shittiest movie I've ever heard of. Well, I guess Nick Cave got interviewed for this a few years ago, and I guess he showed the script to Russell Crowe, and Russell Crowe read it and said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Lucilla is her name. Okay, thank you. Lucilla. But yeah, Lucius was supposed to be the son that Maximus goes back to kill. I feel like they kind of alluded to that romance quite a bit in... In the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of, I'm glad they didn't. 
like, because they could have easily went into them falling for one another, but then it kind of defeats the purpose of why Maximus is so vengeful and why he's trying to kill Commodus. Yeah, I think I think sometimes Hollywood falls into that little, you know, that category where they they're just more worried about the romantic part of it rather than the revenge, which this movie is just pure. He's just, it's pure. Uh, what the fuck did you call it? You used to call it rage hall. Yeah. He's, he is on a rage hall bender. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pure rage hall. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't do that. Cause the first time I seen this, like I thought that that was eventually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so glad they didn't go that, that good route. Apparently, Oliver Reed and Russell Crowe, who have great chemistry in the movie, because mm-hmm. Proximo is kind of like Maximus's mentor in the Gladiator right. world, I guess they didn't get along too well on the set of this movie. Really? Mm-hmm. It got to the point where Oliver Reed challenged Russell Crowe to a fist fight. <laughs> this guy, man, he just wanted to fight everybody and arm wrestle everybody and all kinds of shit, didn't he? If you get a chance, just read. Like, there's so many stories on Oliver Reed. He is something else. Like, there is, I don't think that you'll ever see anybody in Hollywood like this guy again. Because he's just so out of control. Well, I guess apparently his alcoholism cost him a lot of roles. From like the the eighties going forward, this was supposed to be like a big comeback movie for him. Well, it was, but then he fucking died arm yeah. wrestling sailors, right? Which that does happen. You can. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> that's why you retired from it. Yeah, like I I don't know, like over the top really gets me pumped up, <laughs> and. It's, I just go to random bars and just try to armor like, all right, where's the military guys at? Oh, thank you, military folks, for your service. Not trying to be a dickhead, but I used to get liquored up and try to arm wrestle you like military personnel. That's a totally fabricated story, by the way. One hundred percent not true. Right. The last one I have is the thumbs up, thumbs down gesture that the uh, Commodus gives. And it's supposed to be like the thumbs up, your life is spared. Thumbs down means you're getting the the axe. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's in reality is reversed. Mm-hmm. The thumbs down was meant to be like a shield gesture to where your life was going to be spared. And then the thumbs up meant to be like a sword gesture. And that's, that's when you get killed. Yep. I actually knew that. See, I didn't. I was like, as I was reading, I was like, well, this kind of doesn't make any sense. But apparently, the thumbs-up gesture is so renowned now for being, like, a good thing. They didn't want to confuse audiences. and Right. That's what I figured. I figured it's it's one of those things that it's become, you know, like you said, it's, it's universal for a good thing. Right. That's what I usually do. Or if you get a thumbs-up emoji from me on a text message, that means I'm probably mad. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Which I have, I have gotten those. I think everybody gets them from time to time. Um, hey, what do you got for research, man? Uh, so to recreate the size and scale of the Roman Colosseum, uh, approximately one third of it was built in uh, Malta out of plywood and plaster. Uh, it was all the plaster that they had on Malta. They used all of it. Uh, the structure was fifty-two feet high. And the remainder was uh, created using digital CGI. Mm-hmm. 
It took several months, and it cost r- roughly $1 million to complete. Now, I do remember that um, Gladiator was uh, the first big DVD that I bought. Because mm-hmm. all the other DVDs I had bought, this was in the early stages of the DVD technology where the flippers were like the movie would be on one side, then you'd have to flip it over to watch the other half. I remember that, yeah. And then I, I remember I bought... I pre-ordered like a shit ton of big movies from uh, Suncoast. I don't oh, know if wow. you remember Real the Sun- throwback. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first one I got was Gladiator. It was so cool because they had like, oh, it's remastered in uh, DTS audio. It had like a second disc with the special features on it. And I was so fucking excited to get that thing opened up. I didn't even watch the movie. And then like, I put in disc two to watch all the special features. And I watched... Like, okay, I'm going to watch the movie now. And then I go to pop the movie in, and they gave me two. I got one of the ones that had two of disc two. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I took it back, got it home, and then the both the discs were disc one. Well, fuck. <laughs> so I had to, like, okay, I had to take it back a third time, and I finally got one that had disc one and then disc two. But I remember, yeah, watching that. Like, it was so cool how they did that. Yeah. And plus, I... I just imagine I was talking uh, to my uh, coworker about this. Like, could you imagine just, you know, back in around uh, zero 80, you know, I think this took place slightly after that was a 380, I think. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know why I didn't pay attention to the time. I was so ready just to get into that battle scene that I didn't pay attention to the time. I don't blame you, (laughs) but could you imagine like, what was that be? 1700 years ago mm-hmm. just looking up at that thing i mean 1700 years ago they didn't have nearly the shit we have and you just look up at that thing and how massive it was and mm-hmm. how beautiful it was even though it yeah. was a spot for murder <laughs> yeah still to this day it still would be like quite a sight to see yeah because most of it's still standing yeah it's like oh this isn't sofi stadium but this is pretty fucking cool <laughs> close enough yeah eh, it's close enough uh, Joaquin Phoenix was nervous about uh, doing a good job of uh, Commodus, of playing Commodus. That he, um, at one point, now there there was two different uh, sites that I used to do the research for this on this one particular thing. Um, it said that Joaquin asked Russell Crowe several times to punch him in the face or just once. I'm not sure which one is right. Uh, to get him out of like his his funk and his mood to put him in a better mood, ready to play this, you know, snake in the grass character. Um, Richard Harris told him told Crow to get Phoenix drunk as a way to loosen him up instead. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I would have expected Russell Crow to hit him numerous times. <laughs> he never did. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to. He didn't want to hit him. Apparently, he's a nice guy. Who, Russell Crowe? Yeah. I've I've read varying reports that that is not exactly true, but... Well, apparently, at that time, he didn't want to punch Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, Russell Crowe suffered several injuries while filming gladiatorial battles. The scar on his face seen after the opening battle was not fake, uh, but it was real after... Uh, a horse backed him into a, a tree. He was riding a horse and it threw him into a tree. Uh-huh. Um, 
He lost all feeling in his right index finger for roughly two years after injuring it in a sword fight. He also ruptured his Achilles tendon, cracked a bone in his foot, broke a hip bone, and ripped multiple bicep tendons. Jesus Christ. He really wanted to make this movie fucking realistic, apparently. (laughs) I also call that Um, Wednesday. (laughs) That just comes with age. (laughs) Yeah. Back in my day, these kids don't fucking understand anything. I wake up like, oh, fuck, I think I just ruptured the Achilles. I must have slept really hard on my side. I went hard as fuck in the paint in bed last night. <laughs> um, the script was in constant flux. Um, they had to, like, memorize new scenes at the last minute and all that stuff. Most of it's flat out, like, improvised. A lot of the dialogue. Um, excuse me. Um, Russell Crowe actually when he first saw this script demanded if he was going to be in it, that it be rewritten. Mm-hmm. So it went through several rewrites because of him. Yeah. We, um, uh, touching ahead. on that real quick. Uh, I know I read somewhere where the reason why uh, somebody asked him why he took the role and he said, it's a gladiator movie directed by Ridley Scott. That's I mean, I would do it too. Yeah. Um, you know the scenes where uh, Russell Crowe is describing his home as a Spaniard back – it would have been back in Spain, but mm-hmm. it was actually – he was describing his real home in Australia. Really? So that, that was improvised, and he was just uh, reciting what was going on in his home in Australia. Huh. Pretty cool. That's all I got. Oh, uh, I did see something where uh... – some of the the interior scenes of his home actually was made to look like what his home in Australia looks like. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, have you ever had the nickname like what is your what nationality are you like? Have you looked into your ancestry at all? I have not. Uh, I've heard that a lot of my family on my father's side was German. And on my mother's side, I believe, was French. All right. Going forward, I'm going to call you the Frenchman. Sweet. Or the German. I give up. I am, I am, uh, I think my bloodline runs through uh, Italy, so you can always refer to me as the Italian. Or the Italian Stallion. Whatever you prefer. (laughs) Definitely Italian Stallion. Okay, cool. We'll get some shirts made up. Um, this one, this next category was super tough for me to pick just one. So it's the, I drink your milkshake award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Because essentially this movie is just six or seven fucking awesome scenes. Yeah. Um, I'll let you uh, throw your nominee out there first. I'm kind of curious to see what you have. Uh, so my best scene is where he actually reveals himself to Commodus, mm-hmm. um, where he makes him take off his helmet after he turns his back to the emperor, which you don't do. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to get murdered. Um, and then he uh, uses what, what I have as the best line 
mm-hmm. or one of my nominees for best line. So that that scene, um, I also really like um, when he's in there with Proximo in the room with Proximo, and he tells him about winning over the crowd and what and describing what the uh, what the Coliseum's like and mm-hmm. what it was like to fight in there. I think that that scene's really great too. Yeah, you know, even though he said they didn't get along. They work together really well. Yeah, that's what blows my mind about how good they are together. It's like, oh, I didn't know they hated each other. Right. I don't know about you, but I don't ever work well with people I don't like. Well, maybe to get uh, to get more people to listen to our show, maybe create a, a different dynamic. Maybe you and I should meet up once a week and just try to fight each other in a parking lot. <laughs> We're getting a little old for that. We're we're gonna need to make this show every two weeks then because we're gonna need time to recover. Uh, you know what? I've got you've got a Bluetooth system in your car. I've got one in my car. We could play like some movie score. We can have. Uh, I'm sure like us throwing punches would look like the seat the fight scene from They Live, where they're just all like <laughs> two punches in. They're just completely worn out. <laughs> um. So that's your nominees. The uh, reveal. Yeah. That's mine too. Um, I uh, special consideration. I really like the opening battle sequence. Oh yeah, and the, where they're in Germany. Yeah, or Germania. Yeah, because I tell you what, I was watching that. Like, if Russell Crowe came through my my living room door and said, "Hey, I need you," after watching that scene, like, where are we going? <laughs> um, I did going back to that scene. I actually. Uh, when I was doing my research, I saw that that fire that they use mm-hmm. is real. It's a real forest in England um, that Ridley Scott convinced. I don't remember where it is exactly uh, in England, but he convinced them to let him burn that down because they were deforesting it anyway. Mm-hmm. So he convinced them to let them use that for that scene because mm-hmm. he was going to burn it down for him. Yeah. I did see something about that, too. I was actually expecting you to have that in there, so that's why I'd include it in mine. Well, there you go. There now, we go. Now it is included. A little extra fun fact, a little extra morsel, a little cherry on the top. Sprinkle that on there like Salt Bay. Oh, yeah, that's just uh, that. Yeah, the little hand thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my scene is, uh, I actually have it. I always thought this was called the Battle of Carthage because that's how they describe it, that mm-hmm. dude with the fucking killer eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's called the Battle of Zama. Huh. But um, I don't know. I don't that part I don't know history very well that yeah. part. So. But yeah, I have that combined with uh when Maximus confronts Commodus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that battle sequence was really cool because I I guess them like oh, like they're not supposed to win. Right. But then, like, you know, they've got this kick-ass Roman general, like, leading them, and then, like, they persevere, and they end up beating the shit out of the, the actual people that are supposed to win. That was right. cool. And then, like, the the whole scene where Commodus comes down and tries to get him to introduce himself, and he takes the mask off, and then he just, once he takes that mask off, I put it in my notes, but I just thought it was cool. Like, Commodus has that look like, hey, man, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that smoke in the <laughs> And then Maximus is just like rattling off, and then the look in his eyes is like, "Oh, you getting the smoke? You getting it? <laughs> I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you." And then, yeah, like that's that's that line where he basically tells his name. He says he's like the husband of a murdered wife, father of a murdered son, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, "Oh shit!" 
Yeah, that that scene is intense. It is. That's my favorite one. Uh, I mean, I pretty much before I even watched the movie, I knew that was the one because that's the one scene that I always remember most from this movie out of anything yeah. else. Um, yeah, I think that one's probably the best scene just because, you know, how intense Russell Crowe is and like Commodus looks legitimately fucking scared. Like when well, you said, you wonder like if Joaquin Phoenix was like actually scared right there. Well, uh, when you said it goes back to when he, you know, he was nervous about acting with Russell Crowe. Like, is this the scene <laughs> that got him all like worked up? Like, I mean, I don't know if I can do this and it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty easy winner. I also like the scene where, uh, their, uh, Maximus is fighting that guy and those tigers are coming out. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I was actually contemplating getting my son out. We were going to get, um, like, foam swords. I was going to paint my two dogs like a tiger and have them on, like, <laughs> leashes as, as my son and I are fighting out in the front yard. Oh, that would be so funny. Yeah. Didn't, though, because I think my wife would frown upon me painting our dogs orange and black, but... Still, it's a missed opportunity. Right. All right, so we're going with the, uh, the Commodus uh, gets confronted by Maximus scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty easy. Just because, like, that's some good-ass acting right there. That's acting 101. Good. Yeah, good Shit's as fuck. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, changing course a little bit, the I Don't Like Sand, It's Coarse and Rough award for the worst or most unnecessary scene in the movie. I Don't Like Sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere for me it's not really a scene but now that i've watched this movie so many times i could really do without the the shit where like he's running his hand through the wheat that happens a couple times it's just like now it's like okay i get it you just want to be back home you want things to be the way they were but can we can we get on to the like the fighting yeah i want to see some bloodshed <laughs> Um, I don't really have one sitting here thinking, trying to think about it. And I, I really don't have one. Yeah. I mean, um, there's not anything really bad. It's just, I don't know. Watching that now, just the wheat stuff for me, just like, okay, if I could time it better, I would just skip through it. Yeah. Cause it doesn't really add anything after you've seen it so many times. I've probably seen this movie at least 20 or 30 times. It's worth watching that many times, honestly. That movie, I mean, there's some things that I forgot about when I watch this. It's just, it's so good. It's so, such an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Well, this was like, when I told you this was my, uh, my, my first like elaborate special edition DVD that I bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got a, a home theater system finally with it, having that DTS master audio, my receiver had DTS as a decoder on it. So I used Gladiator. To ref like to check out my system to see if I had it set up right. Nice, that's a good reference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I probably watched it numerous times just for that because I'd also use like, hey man, check out this home theater system I got. I'm putting fucking Gladiator. I put in the Battle of Zuma or Zama, Battle of Carthage, whatever it's fucking called. <laughs> the, the one scene with the fighting and the death. Yeah, like they. You know, the scene where Russell Crowe rides in on that horse and he chops those two people's heads off. Yeah, that scene. 
But yeah, like it's I think just the wheat the hand through the wheat scene, it's just like, okay, I get it, it's supposed to be for, you know, dramatic effect, but I could do without it. Yeah. So but you don't have anything? No, I don't have anything. I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, after I think they show that what three or four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a kind of a callback to where like, I think it's just a callback to what he's doing all this for, because he could have easily just fucking said, you know what, I give up. I'm willing to die. You know, I don't have my wife and kid anymore. But no, he he wants fucking revenge. True. I respect revenge. Yes, you do. <laughs> You're a big revenge man. Um. The King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me Award for the best line of the movie. King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me! This was another tough one, too, but uh, I have what we do in life echoes in eternity. Just because, like, that's the fucking line that everybody knows. I don't know if I remember that line. <laughs> it's it's at the the battle of, like, when he's, they're fighting the, the Germanians, the mm-hmm. Germani, whatever. Um when he's given that speech to the the guys that are going to, like, the battalion's oh, going to yeah, flank yeah. them from the side. That's right. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. He says That's that. What, uh, TNT always advertises that scene right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of good ones, like uh, the whole line where he's telling Commodus, you know, basically, like, who I am. I'm a husband to a murdered wife, you know, father to a murdered son, and I'm going to fucking kill you either in this life or the next. You get in the smoke. <laughs> That's the modernized version. Yeah, it's like, oh, you get in the smoke now. And actually, if we remade this movie, that, that would be what I would put in there. <laughs> You're going to catch these hands straight, get this smoke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get in the smoke. Starting with a two-piece. <laughs> but, yeah, there's still, like a lot of good ones like that. The the line where he's telling him, you know, like he says that the Commodus um, – I, I do get a kick out of when Proxima grabs that guy by the sack. He squeezes, <laughs> which I guess was apparently he actually did that. Oh, God. And he, you know, tells him, like, he basically sold him a bad bill of goods. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really good. Uh, just tons of good dialogue in this, which is surprising considering how bad you said that the script was and how they were constantly tinkering with it. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, that's mine. I don't know what you have. Uh, so the line you were talking about is my nominee. Uh, he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. That's fucking cold-blooded. Oh, yeah. That's still, like, not- that delivery still gives me chills. Like, man, that is, that's fucking good. And that's almost like it makes me wonder if that's not the line he, like, won him the Oscar. Um, you know, it is an Oscar worthy line Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and then I also like this one's more of like a, like a special shout out. I knew a man once who said death smiles at us all. All a man can do is smile back. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. That was a good one too. Um, but yeah, like that scene though, that, that line is so fucking awesome. And it would, if the, uh, Echo like you know, echoes in eternity line wasn't so iconic. That would have been my winner for the best line of the movie. Yeah, but I I think that for me that what we do in life line is just so memorable. It's like you said, fuck TNT sells like 
hey, Gladiator, tonight, 8 o'clock, check us out. Followed by, you know, Lakers versus Celtics, you know. <laughs> yeah. But they always sell that scene, that line. So, right. yeah, that would be the reason why I give it to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you there. Yeah. All right, cool. See, that's I, th- I think when we're agreeing like this, I think that's why we need to fight each other once a week. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually going to start training along tom- so well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start training tomorrow. I'm going to like run. Like I live with a bunch of hills, so I'm going to like start like get the old cardiovascular built up. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not fighting in a five round UFC fight, but I think I give you three solid rounds. If you don't record it and turn it into a montage, <laughs> we ain't fighting. I do love a montage, so that's true. Bound to happen. Love a montage. Um, <laughs> the McLovin Award for the best supporting performance. I am McLovin. Uh, who do you have? So I have three nominees. Um, the first one, I'm not sure if he's in it too much, so I'll just I'll ask you that first. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I he was going to be my nominee, but I think he's in it a little too much. Okay, so I'll cut him out. Because I mean, yeah, so like, I have... he's easily the winner if it's anybody but Russell Crowe. Like, because Russell Crowe is the lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we had a criteria where it's just like, okay, if your name's not above the title, you're eligible. But yeah, he's in it too much. He's the easy winner. I mean, he fucking got a best supporting actor nomination for this, so which was well earned. Mm-hmm. Also, he gave me the fucking creeps. He was trying to bang his sister the whole time. It was weird. You know, it makes me wonder, like. Uh, Incest is uh, this movie or is it Game of Thrones that kind of really put the shine on it? <laughs> well, it had to have been this this movie because Game of Thrones came out years later. But Game of Thrones, he was act, you know, there's actually scenes where you see the dude banging his sister. I remember I watched that uh, when I first started watching that, and I wasn't really paying too much attention and like, like oh, they're related. <laughs> What did I get myself into? What are you doing, Step Bro? Yeah. Only the male audience will get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched it. I was like, oh, okay, this is a little different, but okay. I'll. <laughs> um, I, gosh, we were trying to figure out how to say his name. Uh, D- Digimon Hansu? Demon Hansu is what I'm going Demon with. Demon Hansu. If you listen and... to the show, I apologize if we've butchered your name, which yeah, we know we he's you. not. In this and in Blood Diamond. Um, and also uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's in... Uh, which Fast and Furious movie was he in? He's in the one where Charlie Theron's the villain. Eight. Never seen it. Should. Stopped at seven. Well, I mean, that's the mic drop of the series. Though. I mean, it's like, you can't... They went out pretty perfectly with that one. And now I just I still love them, but they're kind of getting to be cash grabs at this point. But we'll That's save that for another uh the Fast and Furious movie that we'll do at some point very, 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 very soon. Uh I also had Oliver Reed as Proximo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my two nominees. Yeah, I have uh well who wins? Who who uh who would I put forward? Probably probably Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he's really excellent in this, and he's very believable as Proximo. 
Yeah, I think so too. That's who I have. I also was going to nominate Richard Harris as uh, Marcus Aurelius. I think in the brief time he's in, he's really good too. And it's like, you know what? what? Like, he seems to be an admirable uh, Caesar. His voice sounds a lot like, was he Dumbledore? He was the original Dumbledore, yes. Uh, okay, before he passed away, say, I knew that from his voice, mm-hmm. like not even so much his face. I actually like. I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy. My wife is. I have tons of friends that are like huge into that whole universe. I prefer his version over Michael Gammon, who took over for him afterward. I do too. Um, I thought he, uh, Richard Harris is really good as uh, Marcus Aurelius. He like seemed like he was kind of a a noble Caesar, although the the complaining about dying got to be a bit old. It's like, okay, man, you're not really dying. I know you're in a shitty environment right now. It's fucking cold. <laughs> We've all been there. He didn't want to go to work that day. He's like, oh, I feel like yeah, I'm that's all it here. was. It's like, I don't want to go to work. So I'm just like, I'm going to use the I'm dying excuse, but he's like powerful enough to get away with it. Like if I were to try that, it's like, oh my God, you're dying. <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about coming back. Like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm. I just I'm can't get. I'm just this, today. This time just change is really fucking with me. I. <laughs> I'm not really on my deathbed. Um, but I have to give it to Oliver Reed too. Like Proximo is like a really compelling character. Uh, I actually look forward to the scenes that he's in. Mm-hmm. Plus, I just think the dynamic between him and Russell Crowe is really good. Is like kind of the mentor character. Uh, and I think it's really a testament to how good he is that they could have replaced him and just filmed everything all over again with a different actor, and it wouldn't have cost anything extra because they had the insurance policy. But instead, they opted to rewrite the script to preserve his performance. Which I think was the right call. Yeah. I think he's so good in this. You know, he was, you know, he was so compelling that I'm not a big prequels guy, but I, would, I wouldn't mind, like if it were the same people writing this and directing it, if it were, if they did a prequel about Proximo. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be good with that. Or if they did a, like a, a streaming show, like one of the yeah. streamers did like a Proximo prequel, I'd be much more interested in something like that than fucking gladiator Two Christ killer. <laughs> That's the worst fucking title I've ever heard. I know it sounds like a fucking nine inch nails album, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. I hope I don't get heat heat for that because I know people like Nine Inch Nails in my house. That's Um, perfect. The Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you would recast. I didn't really have anybody for this one. I'm actually considering retiring this category and coming up with something new. That's fair. Yeah, I don't have anybody either. It's it's getting to the point now where we really skate over this category because a lot of the times there's really nobody to replace. Right. So maybe this will be one that we, we pull out of our pocket if we, like, if there's, like, a really awesome movie, but there's just, like, somebody that really drags it down to where it goes from being, like, a perfect film to where this is still pretty good. Yeah. We'll trot it out on occasion. Sounds good to me. All right. So this episode, if you get anything out of this, we are putting the Eric Stoltz on hiatus. And I think I got a really cool category to come up with. I'll tell you about it after we're done. Sounds good. I, th- I, th- I think this actually sounds really, really cool. Uh, producer Adam was texting me. It kind of like, 
came to me in a, uh, I'm a little under the weather today. So it's, I don't know if it's like cold medication, like getting these vision quest. <laughs> um, all right. But yeah, the Eric Stoltz is temporarily on hiatus. He'll come back from time to time. So you Eric Stoltz award winner fans, it's not dead. It's just, it's going to come out on occasion. It's not dead. It's sleeping. Right, it's like when John Cena comes back to the WWE. It's special when he does, and it's awesome, but you're not going to see John Cena that often anymore. That's a fair comparison. Da, or The da, Rock. Da, da. Oh, you never see The Rock anymore. I think Cena's more of a an apt comparison at this point. Yeah. Well, that shows you I mean, if you could see him, like... you can't see him. <laughs> um, the Unsolved Mysteries of the Movie join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Do you have any unsolved mysteries you'd like for me to take a stab at? Not necessarily of the movie, but more of like the historical component of it. Do you think like we we're starting to live in like a we're we're all connected. Things are not I mean, well, I guess the world has always been violent. Do you think that something like the Coliseum would actually people would watch or buy into that? Oh, you mean if like there was like a fucked up people to where they were showing this on like the internet or something? Yeah. Oh, totally. I could totally see this being like something where I'm sure there's probably like portions of the dark web where this is a thing. Oh, yeah, probably. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I, one interesting thing I always heard, you know, how people are, are, they're not, like, necessarily against the death penalty, but they're not for it. Mm-hmm. They're always like, why don't you take them out there and have them do, like, a gladiator thing? I've heard that forever. I'm honestly surprised that nobody has tried that yet. I mean, not so much here in the States, because there's no fucking way that flies here in the United States, but, like, some other country, like, you know, like, hey, I got this wacky idea. I bet this happens in North Korea. But this fucked up shit happens in North Korea. I would not be the least bit surprised. And now you and I are so going to yeah. have warheads shot at our house. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, well, fuck, I live so close to a military base anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll have that part edited out. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's one of the things. Like, I was just wondering if you thought that maybe this would really fly today. Mm-hmm. As more of like a not necessarily a dark web thing, but more of like a mainstream. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could see I could see this being like a thing where people would pay for it. Yeah. Just like buy it on you know to watch it. I'm I could easily see that happening. Uh, whether that'd be, that'd be nuts. Whether it be easily accessible is a different story altogether. That's fair. Yeah, I mean the only one I had was uh, I was just curious to see if Marcus Aurelius's dream of turning Rome into a republic. I mean, it eventually happens in reality, but like in the movie, that movie world, if they were able to accomplish that. Yeah. I- I think it would probably be possible just way that um, the way that uh, now I forgot her name again, L- Lucia. Lucia. Yeah. 
we'll see if you know the way she was raising her son i'm sure that he would probably make it that way lucius way she was raising lucius mm. i'm Good. sure that because he would be i don't think women were allowed to rule then mm-hmm. so you know he would have been stepping up as emperor at seven eight years old whatever he was then right. 10 years old whatever mm-hmm. so you know if she if that's what she wanted that's what probably would have happened well yeah it made me wonder is like i know uh maximus was kind of like a martyr for all that and they could have used that as like the catalyst to get that in motion but then again like people get power hungry and like oh no we're not gonna have that happen this time you know it's fortunate he died but not not doing it well that's what that's what killed rome was greed Mm. so yeah that's the only one i had uh i I really didn't try to figure out anything in this movie. It just I love watch. Like I think for me, it's just it's the battle sequences. Like I still watch this to this day. And Russell Crowe's performance and Oliver Reed and Richard Harris, all the great acting in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this movie's pretty straightforward. Yeah, there's nothing I I have to like. I'm dying to know. Like keeps me up and I like fuck you know like you know like what are the accommodations like for the gladiators. Did the horse actually kill his son when they ran in there and ran him over? Yeah. Did they or resell? Did they, just, did they hang him just for hang the family just for effect? Did anyone buy Maximus's land? Tune in next week. <laughs> All right. The last category is the "I'm the King of the World" award for who wins this movie. I'm the King of the World. Um, which is basically when you think of this movie, it's like, who do you mention or what do you talk about first? So uh, who do you have? Uh, I think we're both going to have the same person. Um, and it's Russell Crowe. Yeah. I mean, this liter- this movie, like I said, with all the rewrites and stuff, it really literally would not have been the same without him. Mm-hmm. And I don't. do you feel like he's more known for this one or A Beautiful Mind? Oh, this movie for sure. This movie for so sure. It, this is like his defining, you know, this is his defining movie as an actor. Like you said, he won an Oscar for it. And it just, I don't think, now, A Beautiful Mind is a great movie. And he's a little over. He's good, a little overrated, I think. But th- this is like, this is peak Russell Crowe, and it was really his first foray into like major well this is the movie that turned him into a movie star yeah i mean he was like kind of he was an up-and-coming star but this movie like catapulted him to like the a-list because i mean after this he was pretty much on par with like tom hanks and denzel washington and like you know like the elite of hollywood yeah and he's been kind of riding that ever since well it's it's a shame he's not really as well known as he used to be but for like, yeah, a good six or seven years, I mean, he was he was right up there with the the elite of the elite. Yeah, so for me, it's definitely Russell Crowe wins this movie. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I, when we were uh, first discussing doing this, and um, you and I had talked about like, oh yeah, you know, Mel Gibson was up for it at one time, and then like you know, Antonio Banderas was up for it. Uh, Hugh Jackman was too. You know, I'm trying to picture them in that role, and I know 
and they they all have their qualities that I think make them good actors. But honestly, like out of all the movies we've done, I can't really think of anybody in a performance that like this movie does not work without this particular actor. And I think this is it. Like this movie is not the same movie without Russell Crowe. Yeah. Well, I don't, well, you know how I feel about Forrest Gump, not to bring that back up, but I don't, I don't feel like that movie works without Tom Hanks either, or maybe even saving. Well, I guess you could have somebody else in saving private Ryan, but Tom Hanks is so iconic in that. But yeah, I, I get your point for sure. Well, I mean, like, he's believable enough. Like, he's not, like, he's big enough to where you could see, like, he's a big ass kicker in war. But he's not, like, mm-hmm. super jacked up. Right. Because, like, the one thing, like, I've I've noticed, like, some of these, like, uh, these historical epics. Like, take 300, for example. I love 300. I think it's a great movie. But those guys look like they, like, they have, like, a personal trainer with them at all times. Like these guys are just fucking shredded and it doesn't yeah. like, I can't really see people looking like that. They could, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a decent hist- uh, history buff, but I'm not like into that. Like what the workout regimens were for like Spartans. I have no idea. I know that they loved war. That's all I really know. Yep. But he looks like he's the type of guy. He's like big enough and like, brawny enough to where like yeah i could see him totally being a general he just oozes charisma i mean like after that first battle sequence at the coliseum he's got the fucking guys are fighting with him they're basically like he's walking back to where the rest of the gladiators are at and they're acting like his fucking entourage yeah they're chanting it chanting his name uh you could see like he's somebody that like you know you believe that he's out for revenge and, like, Russell Crowe's able to do all that. He's always been good at doing, like, just... This movie takes the best of what Russell Crowe can do, and it puts it in there. Yeah. It's like, let Russ cook. That's what <laughs> they did. And I, I just... I can't... Like, Mel Gibson might have been the closest thing, but, like, even then, I just tried picturing him doing the whole... Like, I tried picturing, like, the people that were considered for that role doing the speech where he confronts Commodus, and I just can't see it being delivered as well as Russell Crowe did it. Yeah, I mean, Mel Gibson is good at revenge movies too, but he's not like... he And he delivers iconic lines in Braveheart, but yeah, like you said, I just... You can't see him delivering that line with the same... Veracity. For, yeah, and like looks like Joaquin Phoenix is literally shitting his pants. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Delivering that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, "Oh fuck, you're still alive." Yeah, this is an <laughs> this is an interesting turn of events. Kind of reminds me of Scar in uh, Lion King. Yeah, I was I trying to see you alive. Yeah, but it. Yeah, you were saying earlier. Yeah, this is definitely his most iconic role for sure. I don't, especially the way his career has gone now. I don't really see him ever topping. I think if there was, like, the peak of the mountain for a particular actor, this movie is it for him. Yeah, this is the top of the roller coaster, and it just dropped from there. Yeah, I mean, he still did some good stuff, like Master and Commander's fucking awesome. Uh, Proof of Life is kind of like a bad, good movie. So, all right, well, before we wrap this up, do you have anything you want to add before we, we go? 
No, I'm just really glad that people can watch this one on uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, way to go, Paramount Plus. We're proud of you. Get the rest of your good shit on there. Yeah, please. Yeah, make your service worth subscribing to. I mean, at my house, it gets plenty of play because they got Paw Patrol. That's the only thing we ever watch on Paramount Plus. <laughs> uh, I watch Champions League soccer on there. Oh, Liga. No, uh, UEFA Champions League. Okay, I'm, I'm showing my soccer, <laughs> my soccer <laughs> knowledge by just completely butchering that. All right, all right. All right, gang, well, uh, we will uh, catch you guys next week. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, what do we got coming up for everybody next week? We have a movie that I have never seen, but that you love dearly, uh, Midnight Run. Oh, Midnight Run is fucking awesome. I can't wait for you to watch that one. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll be texting you as I watch it. Yeah. Um, Robert De Niro, uh, Charles Grodin, Bounty Hunter, trying to get a guy back from New York to L.A. Supposed to be super easy. Apparently it's not. I highly recommend it. Um, I don't know where it's streaming at at the moment. I'm sure you can find it. If anything, you can rent it on iTunes or Spotify, or not Spotify, iTunes, Fandango, I think they're the same company now. Uh, Voodoo, wherever you get digital movies, you can find it on there. Sounds good. All mm-hmm. right. I will check it out and let you know. All right. Well, until next week, we will talk at you guys later. Deuces. <laughs>